We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Jack Ramsey's Danny Morang, Brandon Sprague. Uh, it's a lovely, lovely Monday evening now as the Brooklyn Nets have been swept out of the playoffs. But unfortunately, it's by another team that nobody else likes, the Boston Celtics. Uh, so you've got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown pushing on Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and the Illuminati going home. That's going to kind of factor into something we're going to talk about here, which is uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, not really a primer, but kind of an idea of what the Blazers can do with their mid-level exception, what the, that money could end up looking like. Um, but this is kind of what I foresee us doing until at least a draft lottery. Just kind of frame some stuff up over the next couple of weeks because we are now, what, three weeks away from the draft lottery? So it's the uh, just about, now. yeah. So May yep. 17th is the draft lottery. Um, and then we will kind of get going from there. Brandon, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Long time no talk. How we feeling? I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. My legs are complete rubber, um, which is why we didn't do a show yesterday. I every time I clear one uh, physical therapy hurdle, I uh, crash face first into the next one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was telling you before we went up uh, tomorrow, I've got physical therapy for an hour and a half, which is what I normally do Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, but then after that, I'm going into the chiropractor immediately following that which i started doing last week which is probably oh. contributing to the pain that i'm feeling because my entire body is locked up from a decade of you know injuries yeah <laughs> yep. uh, and then after that i have an hour and a half massage well that one is the that's the money time yeah, right that's, like, that's so, where you're just so we're gonna break all of the things and then we're going to try to release Rub it all, back all of the things. Right. Uh, we're going we're gonna to try a couple things here. We're going to do that for the next four weeks. That Jeez. is going to be my Tuesday and Thursday. Oh, I do oh. not envy you. Listen, like it, it all like the chiropractic massage, like it all sounds good. Let me tell you, as a 275 pound man who, while very flexible in some spots, is not flexible in his lower back because his hip has locked it up for a decade, when they try. <laughs> To rotate you and you don't move, that shit hurts. <laughs> I was gonna ask, where are you? Where are you flexible versus we know where you're not. So, so where are you flexible? So I, I, I can even as big as I am, I can still reach down, put both hands flat on the floor, like bending over at the oh, waist. Oh, bending like, over. Okay, I was just saying. Uh, you got no push-up I, I, I can, I, I can still like open up up top in my chest and my neck. Like I, my neck and spine for the most part are all good, but the second you get around my hips, yeah, like. 
the easiest way I can explain it is that somebody took a cinder block and stuffed it inside your body, but like to either side of your spine, mine's on the right side. Like there's zero flexibility when I try to lean to the, well, well excuse me, when I lean to the left, I'm totally normal. But when I lean to the right, it's like I segment like a whole oh. foot higher. Yeah. <laughs> and it just doesn't move. It's just completely blocked off. So they literally have to try <laughs> to break this up over the course of a month. And hopefully, hopefully it'll work. But yeah. Um, I'll use that as an analogy here to kind of uh, set that up of uh, breaking down and building back up the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, free agency is something the Portland Trailblazers are not typically associated with as far as landing uh, <laughs> early onset rigor mortis. Yeah, that's that's kind of <laughs> what we're dealing with, Nibble. Thank you. Um, but number one, with so little money out on the market mm-hmm. and the class being underwhelming, very the Blazers are at least in a decent spot. And I think I don't want to sit here and drink the Kool-Aid, but it's hard not to when Damian Lillard, Chauncey Billups, Joe Cronin, Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, the guys who are actively talking about the franchise right now in the public face are enthusiastic about mm-hmm. their ability to draw players for the first time in a decade. Well, how much of that is fool's gold though to you? It's oh, it's putting it's putting on a face and, and, and <laughs> yeah. it's like, hey, is reality gonna slap you right back and say, mm, no, you thought this was gonna be different? It's not. I I don't know. I when you say the words free agency, that you, means tend, you tend to recoil. Well, Ooh. well, yeah, I mean that's the natural instinct, but I think it's just, it's always been different for Portland, right? Like free agency for them is just about trades. Like that's their version of free agency. And it's the only way they can be active and participate and maybe land some good players. I think that's the way Ant, Dame, Cronin, Chauncey, although Chauncey did flat out say he could recruit guys, but we know the NBA is dirty and people are texting each other and, Mm -hmm. you know, people are working on one another. So it's a little foolish, but like, I also don't blame them because what's their alternative? adding zero pieces, that's not going to happen. No. So may not shake out exactly how they want, but I think that's the way they're viewing this. Yeah. And here's the thing. The there, there's definitely, um, the way you look at this, this season right now, there's more pressure certainly without the Pelicans pick. So that means you, you, your, your ability to thread that needle got a lot tighter without that. And so it means you have to land your free agency stuff. Well, we'll see. We'll see how desperate Detroit gets to dump Grant and we want to sign him and Grant forces his way. I'm not saying it will be. Does all of a sudden the Milwaukee pick and, and, you know, Keon Johnson. And Keon Johnson. Is that enough to to sweeten the pot and get them to be like, and that's $28 million gone. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I think that's exactly what it could could potentially be. I think that's the way to view this where, uh, again, it was a big loss to not get the pick, but it might not be all is lost uh, seeing how that whole thing shakes out. Well, let's dive into some playoff stuff because everybody in here is very, very excited about the playoffs. Um, it's, it's, I guess it's nice. And people are Blazers fans are a little bit relieved to have some basketball to care about, even if it is tangentially uh, through other teams right now. I but, think it's a nice break. You get like non-pressured playoff. Basketball. You just get to enjoy basketball. Yes. It's, and I haven't, I haven't experienced this in a decade. And it's like, wow, this is fun. It's, uh, this is what you do for 16 years if you're a Kings fan. Yeah. Oh, God. 
One year's just, bad. Just, just strays every like. Eh, well, shout out Kings fans. You're you're all the real ones. Yeah, um, but there was something that you drove home a ton, and I have had more than a few people, both locally and nationally, kind of like maybe. Yeah. And that the Philadelphia 76ers blowing it up now. The Sixers were up 3-0 in this series, and I was sitting here going, well, Toronto might be a little more advanced on those uh, OG out of Toronto type stuff that I've heard some whispers about. Uh, but the flip side of this, if all of a sudden down uh, the, you know, the 76ers face plant. It's 3-2. It's 3-2 now. But here's the thing. Is there somebody in Philadelphia sans Joel Embiid that you really want? Yes. Who? Uh, I'd love to have Matisse Thibel. That'd oh, okay. be nice. Like, if we're just throwing everybody out there. I'm just going to say. Because you know, I'll take I'll take a maxi. I, I think we can figure out somewhere for Tobias Harris to play. Like, let's not act like that roster is absolute garbage. No, no, I'm, like, I'm just saying. Like, what, it, like, when you're looking at teams, when I look at the 76ers, I look at – and, I, hell, I look – I'll say this to frame the, the, the Nets part of this. Yeah. I don't look at this as what which one of those guys becomes a trailblazer. I look at which one of those guys gets traded to a team that has somebody that comes free because sure. of those trades. Because the Blazers don't need a guard. And, I mean, that's to be honest, they're never getting a Kevin Durant type unless, you know, the double eclipses happen and Mayan sun calendars come up. And it's just, it's not going to happen. But what shakes free from Utah? I mean, Utah had a bad call and a sideways game go their way before getting absolutely housed by Dallas again. Mm-hmm. And listen, there's a couple games already that went from uh, 3-0 to 3-1 to save some things on some uh, less than stellar refereeing. We'll call it that. Jesus. Uh, Scott Foster stepping in tonight and just saying, can I send this to a game five? Like, no, Scott. Don't no, call one of the worst offensive fouls on a star player with five fouls I've ever seen in my entire life. Go you, ahead and call you that. Can't, you can't call that foul at any time of the game, let alone when a star player on a heater has five. It's just, just unbelievable. <sighs> Joey says, I'm glad we didn't get Ben Simmons. That's another one. What if Ben Simmons hits the market again? Like, what does that look like? Rolling the dice, <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, like, look, there's – there's a lot of different ways sure. things can go. And this is why I was like, well, there's nobody going to be available in the offseason. I'm like, did you see that? Like, I, I had the Nets losing in six. I I didn't see them getting swept. I, I did not. I thought I figured it would be maybe a gentleman's sweep, but, you know. Right. KD would get enough or they'd get enough juice KD out of somebody else. KD would have a game. Yeah. yeah, KD would have one But I didn't factor in Kyrie being non-existent and Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown being the second best player on the floor for the Nets. I would argue Bruce Brown actually for the series was their best player. Probably was not this, wrong. Was was this not Kevin Durant's only good game of the series? Well, he he had eleven a, shots in game three. Yeah, he had other games where he had what twenty seven and twenty four in games one and two. No, I think I thought he had seventeen in game two. Hold on, let me check this. I'm curious now because I thought he had a miserable series. He, he did, particularly for his by his standards. But I'm just trying to like run down in my head like what that Yeah, he had like. 16 in game 2. Okay, what do you have in game 1? Uh, give me one second. God damn it. <laughs> Can't just hit a box score. I thought it was 24 or 27. Uh, hold on. 
I think it was like 24. Yeah. It's 23, 23. on 9 of 24 okay. shooting. Yeah, so he, just poor efficiency standards and then one like really yes. sideways yes. game. Right, uh, right. But again, we're talking about the um, the idea of like what Kevin Durant is and what you're supposed to get, which is like a 30-piece on a nightly basis in the playoffs because he's unguardable. But it turns out if you throw everything you have at Kevin Durant because you're not worried about literally anyone else because the roster construction is a tire fire <laughs> and your second, third best player, Ben Simmons, isn't available and you're relying on Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin, and Nick Claxton as your bigs, yikes, dog. So yeah. that is to say anything – is possible when you're talking about what could shake free in an offseason. What if all of a sudden the Pelicans win their next round or win the series because Devin Booker's out and they're, you know, the guy who Chris Paul sets the table, but let's be honest, Devin Booker is is the piece of the resistance, man. As when he he's what makes the hub come together. Mm-hmm. Um, the Suns not being a three-point shooting team, I think they're the worst three-point shooting team in the playoffs right now, is really what the thing that's that's killing them outside of Devin Booker. Uh, Crowder, Cam Johnson, and, and Mikael Bridges, not and Chris Paul, not knocking down threes is a real problem for them. But all of a sudden, I don't think you're going to have Sarver step away from paying DeAndre Ayton. I think that's I think that bridge has been crossed, particularly with how well he has played so far this series. He has been unreal. But does that oh expediter God. speed up Cam Johnson's or Jay Crowder's exit in Phoenix? Right. Well. Here's the thing, though, Danny. I like on DeAndre and just specifically. I never gave that any hope. I, I, I know it's Phoenix. Like I know they might get bounced around one, but he's too valuable asset. Chris Paul's aging. Like you have to lock up your young core. And and look, if you're gonna own the team, and you're there to actually like profit off people going to games, it's in your benefit to pay these dudes to keep you know competitive. So I never really looked at DeAndre Ayton as like a reasonable thing for the Blazers. I just always thought Phoenix, and I still think they will ultimately going to give him that contract. Yeah, I think, especially when you've looked at, again, what he's done this series, he has been absolutely just dominant on both ends for long stretches, and again, he's still just a kid. Yeah. So, again, this is a long, convoluted way of saying, shit happens in the playoffs, ladies and gentlemen. Something shakes free. You're going to see stuff. uh, Teams that aren't supposed to be there. The Pelicans getting a, a, a nice bracket because Devin Booker goes down. That's a lot like the Blazers catching OKC in Denver. And there's, there's yeah. like stuff just lines up something. Or the Atlanta Hawks getting the New York Knicks and then a dysfunctional 76ers team before, you know, getting handled by the Bucs. I think you look at those things every, every single year, you forget like all the steps necessary to get to the end of the playoffs. But what happened to all those other teams along the way and what causes things to shake free? Right, like Kevin Durant when he tells Kyrie to sign a max and then bounces and goes to Portland. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Might throw it out there. Might happen, might not. I don't know. Sources might be saying. We're not sure. Listen, we haven't confirmed. that would change some things around, all right? Like, well, eh. I mean, Kyrie gave literally the most most poisoning quote you could possibly want to give as the season ends and you get swept. When I say I'm here with Kev, I think that really entails us managing this franchise together alongside Joe and Sean. Like, bro, you still don't get it. Like, if you're Kevin Durant, how do you not evaluate this? And go, Run. Start? Run. Well, I, I, I get it, yeah. Run. Plus, yeah. Well, we'll see. Run. I, that, why did he that is as, anyway? That is as damning a quote. That is as damning as a quote as, I don't think we have a real head coach. I could be a uh, coach one day. Kevin could be a coach one day. Yes. Like, Basically just said, hey, Joe and Sean, you don't do anything here. Me and Kevin do. It's just... I don't get it. I would not offer him the max, but I know Brooklyn's going to because, you know, we got to have Kevin Durant, 33-year-old Kevin Durant. 
here, here's the thing that I think if you're looking at this from a, a Blazer-centric point of view, you want the most chaotic shit possible. I'm rooting for in, it. In every, it. Like, like, you want upsets in every freaking bracket, every round. You want shit to go sideways. Mm-hmm. You, want, you want GMs around the league going, shit, is this the team you want to commit to? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, that's, that's what you want right now. You want all the volatility because Portland can step up, and now you've got – more things you can look at, more ways you can go. Hey, well, you know, we've got the ability to take on $21 million. I'm just saying we have a nice, shiny 2025 draft pick. <laughs> so that's just one way it can go. Another way it can go, and this is kind of, like I said, the primer for getting into all of this. Uh, again, thank you, everybody. We appreciate you. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Help us grow the show. If you're watching here on YouTube live, please click the subscribe button. We will be here at least twice a week and more frequently as the draft approaches, and then we will taper off until Summer League, and then we will ramp back up for Summer League and get ready for the season. So, uh, And by the way, if the Blazers do keep their pick, which means basically if they get a top-four pick, I will be buying tickets to Las Vegas, and I will be down there July 7th to the 11th. Oh, you're so, going to go to Summer League if they so, get that pick? If they get that pick, I will be down at Summer League. So that will be happening. So as soon as the lottery happens, we will know uh, which way we go on that. And we'll have some Jack Ramsey's live from the hellscape that is Las Vegas in the middle of July. <laughs> hey, at least you'll be in an air-conditioned building. Shout out Thomas and Mac for keeping that AC pumping. Yeah, no uh, kidding. Because if you haven't been there in the summertime, my God, 120 degrees with the wind is like being a blow dryer. Um If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without further ado, the MLE 
mid-level mm. exception. Access to the full MLE, not the TP MLE, the taxpayer mid-level exception. The Blazers will have access to the $10.3 million, roughly $10.3 million uh, this offseason. So, where do they go with it, Brandon Sprague? That is a million-dollar question that I don't even know. Well, here's the thing. I think a lot of this has to do with how does some of this stuff shake out. Mm-hmm. what rosters become dysfunctional, what general managers pivot out of their situation. Who doesn't pick up an option somewhere? I, I mean, Joe Ingles is hitting the market. What's Joe Ingles going to, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot of things that are up in the air for this team. We can go down the list of guys that you like, but I, I just think it's really tough to gauge right now, given how unpredictable and where everything's kind of sitting with some of these playoff teams. Yeah, you start going on the list of guys who were out on their their player option years. Yep. Jeff Green, PJ Tucker, yeah. Patty Mills, Nick Batum. I'm just looking See, at kind of like role player guys. These I, are- I hate. Yeah. No, no. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was just gonna say like one guy and you and I have talked about it a little bit, but like I'm really not opposed to Nick Batum. No, Nick uh, is a, Nick would be a great signing. I think Nick would be fantastic for them. You're talking about a ball handler, a playmaker, a dude who would know exactly what his role is because he's already played next to Dame. Yes, he's a little older. He's a little. He's heavier. also a very, very good friend of Amy Lillard. And yes, he is, and he's vo- he's very versatile in terms of the position he plays. So, I don't know. You could run a lot of lineups out there with Nick. He could run the four. He could run the uh, point. Like to me, I don't think Nick would limit you in any way. You could think, okay, he's a little too old, and that's fine. But I don't know. I think Nick Batum would be a fantastic pickup for them. Yeah, and then you've got guys like Jermichael Green, Derek Favors, uh, Pat Connaughton. Uh, Bobby Portis. I would expect Kendrick Dunn to pick up his deal, so that's yeah. kind of where I'm sitting on that. And then there's some uh, some club option players. Let me flip over here real quick. Boop, 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 boop. So, of the guys that are out there that are team options that are likely to get picked or, or unlikely to however you want to slice this up. Mm-hmm. The Lakers are definitely going to pick up Austin Reeves. The Pacers are going to pick up O'Shea Brissett. Uh, I believe yeah. the Lakers have already re-signed Wenyan Gabriel, so that's another one that's out there. So you start looking like this, and you go, the Clippers, they're going to re-sign, or they're going to option uh, Zubac. Uh, the Lakers, I believe they did something with Stanley Johnson with a two, two-year deal. Uh, McDaniels and Charlotte, unsure which way they're going to go with that. Minnesota, mm-hmm. I would think that they would probably look at keeping uh, Nas Reed. And I guarantee you that the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to pick up Lou Dortz. I was going to say, uh, what about Lou Dort here, Bob? Can we get Lou Dort in Portland? Because uh, I'd love to have Lou Dort. I think Nas Reed's having they, a They have him at like $2 million. They have Dort, like, yeah, it's it, it's one it's of those. 1. They have it at 1.3? Yeah, but next year. like it's Next year, it's yeah. Full, it, it's one of those, you know, um, Sam Presti special deals. It's a lot like the deal that Trent and Watford just signed. Yeah. Um, but those are kind of the guys that are the, the fringe guys. Like the, that's those are the guys that I think you're looking at if you're talking about breaking up the MLE. So you want to offer a little bit more than the vet minimum to lure players to Portland. Uh, this might be a ridiculous question, but I got to throw it out you know, there. Throw I just, it there. I'm, I'm well. I'm looking down the list. Dean Wade, our our read on Dean Wade, just out of curiosity. S- solid player. I, I think I, I, he's very solid player. I think Cleveland would very much like to hold on to him. Uh, he I, he had an injury at the end of the season that kind of derailed him. But I, I can tell you this. I mean, you can Justin Rowan will tell you he's the, the the franchise is a fan of Dean. But again, like if you're looking to add like depth and and you know mm-hmm. back end to your roster, I think way to be a good a, a good addition. Is it changing anything like the greater landscape? No. Oh no. But but, but then I, I always hate that when people are like, well, what does that mean? Like adding a good tenth man. It's like guys, it's you get those guys to help manage eighty two game seasons. 
like it's about chemistry and yeah, likability just... and like how people fit together and how they navigate vibes. through a season. Yeah, it's vibes. Like, look at the know, Nets; they have zero vibes. I was gonna say, you know, it feels awful that Portland missed the playoffs and we're sitting here a little bum. We can't watch them. They won as many playoff games as the Brooklyn Nets did yeah. this year. You know why? Because the locker room sucks. Because yeah. there's no team chemistry. There's no real leadership. And again, not that, as you say, Dean Wade is going to dictate whether the Pacers are a contender. It's more so to just simply say, Dean Wade's a pretty good little role player, and having in the locker room could be a nice thing to have. And Having guys in your guys. locker room that you want to be around, like when you hear right. organizations say, no, we want to keep this guy around, it's not usually just like an idea of like, do we want to, you know, is this guy good enough? But it's like, there's, there's a, there is a scale in the NBA you have to be better than X to be this much of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and that scale is a lot closer than people think it is. Unless you are a superstar, superstar, the guys that bounce around everywhere all of the time, unless they're just kind of one-year guys who just like being a mercenary like Rudy Gay, the other guys like Rondo, they wear on you. Like, they'll everybody will say, yeah, no, we love Rondo. And then at the end of the year, like, ah, you know, we can, I'm, I'm okay that he's going on somewhere else. Like, yeah, it's just there's a, a limited time that those guys are kind of good for. Not that Rondo's toxic, just like, you know, we're not there's, there's, there's levels of things you need to put up with, you know, like uh, uh, J.R. Smith throwing a uh, bowl of hot chowder uh, at a coach <laughs> like or uh, Kevin Porter Jr., you know, berating coaches who go to bat for him. That's, uh, a, and, that's a different level there, Bob. Yeah. So like they're, they're, like that exchange rate does exist. Um, but that's kind of ultimately neither here nor there. Um, does Grant Cam and our draft pick move the needle? Cam and our draft pick. I'm, I'm not sure what you mean, James. Read read that again. Does Grant Cam and our draft pick move the needle? Oh, Jeremy Grant. So assuming it's Milwaukee. Uh, Cam, is that a Cam Johnson signing? Is that where? Listen, okay, yeah, no. Does and does Jeremy Grant, pick. Cam Johnson, and a draft pick move the needle? That is a home run off season. Oh, I, I have a full erection. I don't know though, for the record, if I, I'm assuming the Cam is the Cam Johnson we've talked about. Yeah, that if before. that's if that's what he was going for, then that's yeah. that's a. If the Blazers did that this off season, you'd that's have a to good tell season. you'd yes. have to you'd have to tell everybody to shut up. Like that's just kind of like okay, no, Joe did some shit. Like let's 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 go. Like that's yeah. that's a very 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 competent off season. Well, and and I I think some people can hear you say that, and I can kind of hear the really Danny, really Grant Cam Johnson out is good. But like here's the point: the West is very unpredictable next mm-hmm. season. We don't know who's going to get moved. We don't know what team is not going to live up to the billing. What team's going to get broken up? It's just about being better. And you yes. can't argue Cam Johnson, Jeremy Grant, Dame, healthy, Ant. Nas, Nurk, like you can't Hart. argue Hart, like okay, that's plus right. Plus and your first round draft, draft pick and your first round draft pick. Like that's not a winning argument of, oh, that, that doesn't matter. It absolutely matters. I think that's it, a, I honestly on paper, I think that is a better team than the team that started this last season. And that's not some like Joe Cronin love. Like, oh, I, I think that's absolutely hundred percent accurate. And it's, it's weird. Every time I say anything like that's even re- remotely um, good about the Blazers right now, it's like, Oh, you just love Joe Cronin. I'm like, no, I just want this team to be better. Like, that's... But like that team was awful. We all knew, like, obviously you and I were the, the media or whatever, but like, I'll admit I picked them for 40. Yeah. Right. I, I picked him for 45 wins. You know why I did that? Just because I thought Damian Lillard was going to play a full season. It had nothing to do with the roster being no. amazing. 
it Damian was just Lillard's like, oh. good for 40 wins. Like that's yes. Damian Lillard is that good. So that was the only reason I did that. I, I didn't like that roster. I was pissed. Yeah. They didn't do anything of significance. Yeah. We kind of belabored that point. Um, speaking of belabored points, I have said this about a thousand times over the last year and a half, two years, Kyle Anderson would be a good addition to the Blazers. Kyle Anderson would be an interesting one. I, 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 I see him very similar to Nick. Obviously, mm. his nickname is Slow Mo for a reason. Yep. He plays um, at his speed, baby. <laughs> but you know, it it wouldn't hurt to have a player like that. Um, Six foot nine, two hundred forty pound guy who can score, who can handle, who can create, who can kind of shoot threes. But it's just is it is it not very? I mean, it's. I it, look at him as poor man's Boris Diaw. I was gonna say poor man's Evan Turner potentially. Which it sounds like a bad thing when I say that, but like just think about it for a second. A different employee run. Yeah, if employed the yes. right way. Yes. Like that's the thing is, like, I think Anderson is a a hugely high. The reason Anderson is so good and why he's maintained being good despite the fact that he's not this most explosive guy is because he's super smart. His basketball IQ is very high. He's in the right place at the right time. When you know where to be at all times, you don't have to bust your ass to get there and use otherworldly athleticism to cover up ground. And that's the thing that I, that I like about Anderson. And that's honestly about a lot of the guys that I think that, well, not, not all, I should say some of the guys, because one of the guys that I've uh, hammered on a ton relies on being stupidly big and incredibly long. <laughs> so... Um, but I wonder, does Kyle Anderson, does he end up being a guy that's the Trailblazers target because of his positional versatility and he's at a position of need and he does things that I think that kind of go in line with what Chauncey and Joe Cronin have said they want to do. The only exception to that is he is not an explosive athlete, which is something they seem to want to prioritize as length, size. But can you get well, away but... with that from him not being the guy when you've got other guys at other places? Well, I don't think you should limit yourself in terms of the rotations you could create with a guy like Slomo yes. and what kind of possibility. Like you could play Slomo at a point and it he, wouldn't he, shock he's your, me. He's your point forward. Like if you ran a bench unit of Josh Hart and Sierra Little and Kyle Anderson and you stuck a you know, stretch big right. and a uh, you know, hell, uh, Brandon Williams out there. Well, I would say depending on who your four is, like you could get really crazy and kinky. You could do slow mo with Dame, Ant, you know what I mean, Nurk, and whoever your four. You could is, do some okay weird, yeah. You could get some weird lineups out there. I'm saying, like, if you just went full full bench lineup, like you could do some stuff with. And this is one of the things the Blazers have lacked a ton of was additional creators and playmakers outside of the point guard position. They tried to do it with Evan Turner, but the problem was they surrounded him with zero shooters. They said, all right, Evan, here's Mo Harkless and Alfred Kaminu. Go figure it out. And it was like, yeah, no, they're 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 not gonna they're gonna sag off everybody else and pack the paint and you're not gonna have anybody else there. And you kind of find yourself in an awkward position. But he's definitely a guy when I look at it, I go, ten point three million dollars. Do I want to use the entire MLE on him? No. But if they did, would I be crushed by it? No, not entirely. The only pushback I have is that you have to use the multiple years on it. And Kyle is, I think he's 30, 30 now? No, he's 28. So he'll, yeah. he'll be 29 in September. So he's not quite there yet. He's right on the edge of like that that flirting with that that number, you know, 30 as far as pushing it back. But it's uh, it's an interesting spot to sit in. So the, the, the thing with uh, slow-mo that I wanted to just kind of finish with was what you said. You had said what Joe had mentioned, right? Joe has mentioned athletic, yeah. lengthy dudes. Like, 
not necessarily the prototype, but here's where I think he fits in two of the three requirements of what Joe Cronin's aiming for here, depending on how much it costs too. Like that could have a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Slow-mo fits the IQ. I think he fits versatility and, and also size. a third. And he has the size. He's got the reach. He's got. He's 6'9", 240. Like he's a big dude. Well, also like, let's not, he's not a complete absolute bum here. Like he's not a fast dude, but like to say he's not athletic. No, obviously against some guys he's not, but like, come on, he's in the NBA for a reason. So I don't know. I think he fits a lot. On one of the best teams in the league, you know, and and a guy that, you know, they rely on quite a bit for them. I mean, he's a guy who's playing 20-plus minutes a night for a very good Memphis team. Mm -hmm. And you look at him over the years, he's been pretty damn reliable, You just like as far as, like, durability. I think that's something they're also going to look at matter, you know, managing kind of going forward. Um I just, I just like his his collection of skills, his ability to score a little bit, his ability to rebound a little bit, his ability to play make, just be a connector. That's something the Blazers don't have a ton of on the. I'll be honest, the Blazers don't have any connectors on their roster right now, save maybe Yusuf Nurkic. They have primary ball handlers, uh, in Damon Ant. I would put Hart moving into like a secondary or tertiary ball handler. They're going to push him a little bit more in that role. That uh, Trenton Watford looks like he may have some secondary playmaking ability, but they don't have any connectors and they need to get somebody there. Mm-hmm. And so getting a guy like Kyle Anderson, I think it would be a, a good move. The other name that I, I've seen a lot of people talk or ask about, uh, which is kind of a weird spot to be is, but this kind of goes back towards the athletic profile of this. And that's TJ Warren. Now he hasn't played ball this year. Like injuries yeah. have limited him and he has been limited by injuries a ton throughout his career. Like, which which way do you do you go with him? But the flip side is is also TJ's what twenty eight years old, uh, and pre injury he was scoring like crazy. But here's the thing, he was just scoring. He yeah. is a, he is a scorer and a decent rebounder, but he is a guy that bends defenses downhill. So if you're looking to add that to your to your team, because the Blazers outside of Dame, because listen, I everybody knows I'm an ant guy. The one of the things that Ant needs to work on, Brandon, is getting to the rim and putting that rim pressure on. T.J. Warren, mm-hmm. when healthy and active, is a rim pressure guy. And when you look at that, does he have the playmaking? No, but he's an athlete. You know yeah. how, how much that athleticism is left, you know, post injury. Are but, are you pro T.J.? I like the idea of T.J. Warren, but I, I think he, I'm I I'm not. Are you out on it? Yeah, I'm not yeah. the biggest T.J. Warren guy. I I like him, and I think in a vacuum. I don't know if that's the the best way to go about, you know, building this team, but I do believe they need a rim pressure guy. Uh, Sonny says Brandon Clark has taken over minutes from Kyle Anderson. Yeah, in the Minnesota series, they have. Yes, a ton. They, they've, they've gone they've gone away from Anderson and Stephen Adams. Yeah. Welcome welcome to sixteen game, sixteen <laughs> games versus eighty two games. Yes, yeah. You need more sixteen game players. Um, it's it's definitely uh, an interesting spot. Listen, if, and he says Brandon Clark obviously is taking up those minutes. Listen, if I, if I, the Blazers get a hold of Brandon Clark, <laughs> I mean, dear lord, what is he twenty three? If that twenty two, Clark Clark's a hell of a player. Uh, I think he's kind of exactly what Portland needs uh, in a backup big, especially uh, for for where they're kind of looking at. And I think that's kind of the bigger question here: Do the are the Blazers going to use the MLE? on a 3-4 type or a 4 or a 3, depending on how you slot it? Or, Brandon, are they going to go away from that and use that money on a backup big? Yusuf Nurkic did play better uh, as the season went on. Yeah. But 
the idea of him certainly comes with caveats, which is, oh, shit, is he going to stay healthy? <laughs> so, yeah. you need to have another big who can step in and play starter minutes. And when you look at free agency right now, there are three guys out there who I think it, or can play starter minutes and eat up 30 minutes a night at the five spot. Yeah. One of them is in the background right now, and I've hit at him a thousand times. Mo Bamba. Mm-hmm. Mo Bamba, baby. Will the Magic match a RFA offer of $10-plus plus million I don't know if they will. I don't know uh, if they will. I, I think that's I think that's a dicey place for them. Well, it's a, it's also, by the way, it's a really tough organization to figure out like what they take seriously and what they don't because, I mean, dear God, the talent they let leave versus the talent they invest in, it just it never really quite adds up. Yeah. Uh, and for those wondering, in as far as like what kind of season Bomba had, you think this you year, think Bomba's gonna be? You think ten would get, ten a year would get the attention? I think it would. Yeah, I think it would. For, for those that are wondering, Bomba ended the season, eleven points, eight rebounds, uh, a little over one assist, and almost two blocks a night, shooting forty eight, thirty eight, seventy eight. Mm. So that's nearly a fifty forty eighty season for a seven foot one, two hundred forty pound big with. Uh, I think the fourth or fifth highest block rate in the NBA. He had a block wow. rate of like three point four percent. So he so he he put up those numbers last season. I think it was under twenty minutes. Oh, I'm sorry. They they did amp his minutes up early in the season, then he fell off. So it, it came down to twenty six minutes a night. Um, his ability to knock down threes and open up the floor would be such an interesting contrast to what they have. Oh yeah. Uh, Especially when you've got guys like Hart and Nasir. Uh, you're talking about mixing and matching lineups. Uh, guys that want to be more aggressive and, 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 again, put some rim pressure down. If your big is pulling another big out and what that would mean for, for even Damon Ant in the starting lineup. I think that's, that's something that just makes a ton of sense uh, for them to target with the MLE. Another guy, though, and I want to go to this next one. I want to get your reaction to both these guys. Mm-hmm. Is Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant is a guy that was just kind of looked over a ton uh, with Washington because they've had a couple different bigs. The Gafford kind of popped. Uh, but Bryant just kind of does everything. He's 6'10". Yeah. Strong as a bull. Can actually knock down shots at pretty much all levels. The he's No, I should say, shouldn't say all levels because he struggles a little bit from three. But he's got at least some of it in his wheelhouse. But high, high block rate, high rebound rate. Uh Good strength, decent mobility for his size, and is, is strong enough and big enough to where of an 82-game season he could eat up real minutes. If I said you could get him for seven, seven and a half, mm-hmm. or Bamba at the full MLE, are you I'll, interested I'll, in either I'll, one of those I'll take, guys? I'll, I'll take Bamba all day. I mean, if you're looking at both those guys, those if I said you have to invest the, the money in those guys or you have to kind of break it up and look at some other stuff, some smaller pieces, which way are you going well, I think the important thing to mention about Bamba is he's got a 7'10 wingspan, super athletic, smart. Well, not the smartest of players, but like he's smart enough to understand that he, he needed to expand his game. He starts to shoot the three now. He's falling in love with the three, but he's also shooting, you know, what he, he is shooting. I think he, won a, he finished 37, 38, 38% on but four think, attempts a game. Yeah. So. And, and I think I think Portland, Chauncey, Dame, et cetera, we'll kind of get him locked in with where that number should be. And here's the kicker. He's only 23 years old. He's a kid. Like, I, I think I, what I think of the Blazers and I think of where they're going, I, I want them to be as good as they possibly can next year. They will have Dame. They will have Nurk. 
I would assume they have Josh Hart, and I don't think we should totally disregard Joe Ingles. So there's there's just four guys right there alone that you would say those are very seasoned veteran players. Yes. But but Daniel, Danielson, give me as many young players that you can give burn to now while building confidence. Take Dame or uh, Ant for example this year. Mm-hmm. Man, he's not going to feel like he's 22 years old next year. We're going to view him as like a third or like a when a, he a scores 18 starter. on like yes. nine of 23, we're yes. going to be irritated because we're going to expect 20 points a night from him already. And I think he's already built up that kind of cachet yes. with us. So, and you add the draft pick into this. I just, I want a good mix. I, I think you can totally mix it. You just got to find the right pieces in the right places. And if you're giving me a center, that's 23 with a seven ten wingspan that can maybe shoot from three. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that all day. Uh, Patrick says you called who we got last off season. I, I may have had a little bit of insight on that <laughs> <laughs> ever so slightly. Um, John Collins trading for John Collins. I've seen a few people say this. So Collins's contract prohibits him from going into the TPE, unfortunately, but could they work a scenario where that makes sense? Yes. But how exactly they kind of figure that out and, and which assets they use are interesting. I, I find it interesting that people are, are very eager to jump on John Collins and less so with Grant. Uh, I get that Collins is younger and that Grant's contract is about to go up. But as players, um, I feel like they're kind of in the same, same kind of tier even if they are di- very different players. I know Collins is a rebounder, rim runner, all that stuff, but also oh. Gr- Grant is a little bit better, def- a little bit better, a lot better defensively. Um, yeah. Even if Grant leaves some stuff to be desired. But I, I feel like this, this, this picture of Jeremy Grant has been painted. I am not somebody who is sitting in the Jeremy Grant is this perfect player camp. I think he's a good player. And if they were able to make this move for him, it would be the best wing they've signed in, in literal decades. So, um, but if John Collins is available at the right price, I could also see him going that way. I just, I, I, it's very hard for me to picture the Blazers getting a guy like Collins alongside Nurkic. I just feel like it's a, even though Collins has stretched this game out a little bit, I feel like it's a little bit of a wonky fit just because Nurk just is so, so paint bound. And that's, it kind of puts them in a weird situation. Well, but if it came down to choosing Nurk or John Collins, Cronin would choose John, right? I, I, I hope so. I, I hope so. Joey says, well, I feel Ant will get five for $90 million. I'm not mad if they give him that. With Did you see what Mark Stein said earlier today about um, Jalen Brunson? No, I missed it. What did he say? $20 million a year. 480 Yeah. Yeah, for, that's fair. To put people put, put this in perspective for everybody, uh, Jalen Brunson, it was 16-5-3 this year on decent efficiency playing 31 minutes a night at 25 years old. Well, he's also taking over the playoffs too. Yes. I mean, that's, that's the other part but of But he was going to get that money probably, probably. even yeah. before this. Probably. The other side of this is if, if they get Ant for less than $20 million, I will be floored. Really? Floored. I will, I will be absolutely flabbergasted, shocked, floored. Whatever adjective you want to use to describe that – I will be completely out of it. Can I go back to Collins real yeah, quick? Yeah. Go, go. Um, 
So I think part of the thing with Collins is like that was a guy that many people targeted in that draft, the Zach Collins draft. It was mm. the wrong Collins we picked. Sure. And so I think people are always going to kind of hold on to that. that. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a bit of that, right? Like he was legitimately, it was him, it was Donovan, it was Bam, it was, you know, OG was talked about a little bit. It was mm-hmm. Zach, obviously, but like of all those guys, John was one of the more prevalent names that we kept hearing tied to what Sam Bassini had for. the Blazers taking him with with their second pick. And, and here's the the thing uh, that about John Collins that. I'll push back a little bit. Like you, you could ultimately prove right. Like him and Jeremy Grant are kind of the same player in terms of the way people view him. I, I think what you would get pushed back though from the Portland angle is, I still think the idea of Collins of John Collins to grow, it just feels like it's so much bigger than what. Like we know what Grant is. Grant is a very good player on a very good playoff team. See the Denver Nuggets, mm-hmm. right? Like if Dame's your one presumably Ant will be your two. We'll see who the draft pick is. Like Grant might have to come in here and be your third or fourth option. And I think he can be just fine with that if he has that $100 million plus contract. But I think with John Collins, despite what his production may say, it's the idea that he is not necessarily in the right situation. It's that he would play with the right players here. I don't disagree with the wonky fit idea, but... He also is not thrilled about playing alongside Trey, who eats up like 45% of possessions. Well, and I think that's the thing is like how he would how he would he fit with Ant and Dame, and I think Danny, that's where Blazer fan would turn to you and say, "Well, but I'd still want John Collins more than I'd want Jeremy Grant." Sure, I, I just for for me, I look at it, and I don't I don't begrudge anybody, but I like I said, I I put those guys on like the same tier list of as far as like even though they're vastly different players, I am not calling them the same players. I'm saying right. like tier list wise and fit wise, I think both are kind of. Not square peg round hole, but not neither are perfect fits. But if you're looking for the most apt fit, I'd say Grant fits better than Collins, just in the what they have right now. But for the long term, I would much rather lean towards Collins. So uh, this is me sitting on that proverbial fence as much as possible because I don't think either deal makes a ton of sense. But uh, if they can stockpile talent in a way that makes sense, cool. I've seen a few other people bring this up. Kyle Kuzma. If the Wizards are just fire sailing and the Blazers can get Kuzma for whatever, Kyle Kuzma would be a good addition. I I have a hard time seeing that happen. Well, Kuzma, I believe, is at thirteen million. Uh, I'm double checking it now. I'm just going off the top of my head. Yeah, thirteen million. Thirteen million. I mean, it fits financially. I just you think the Wizards are going to get to that spot? Because he's only 26, like having him around at 26. It's a lot like having Josh Hart. Like you have a really good contract with a very good, viable player. And if I was, you know, if I was the idiot running the Wizards, like that's what my stance. I mean, unless you're getting a good haul back, like, but I highly doubt that happens from Portland's side. Yeah, but I think it's kind of a, it's just a, an interesting idea, like another another angle to look at, like as far as adding talent to the roster. Oh, I would love it, dude. I Kyle Kuzma, I would love to have Kyle Kuzma. The IQ is low on Kuz. Uh, I I think Kuz is is he I got think he's some fine. Unf- he got some unfair shade because he stepped in it quite a bit with the Lakers. But well, also when you play next to LeBron, you kind of automatically look like an idiot. So <laughs> it happens from time to time. Um, <laughs> but I, I think you look at the way the Blazers go. I, I I would call that a good move if they were able to get a guy like him. And and again, the Blazers need to add talent. What they have on the roster right now, as far as rotation guys, Dame, Ant, Nurk, Nas. Uh, heart like that's 
That's your rotation right now. Those are the active guys that you can count on. They don't have a starting three or four on the roster that they need to figure out. And listen, I love Greg Brown. I think Trent is starting to show some stuff. I think Brandon Williams coming in as your back, as your backup point guard is a, is a good thing. Beyond that, like Drew Eubanks is your third center. Cool. They have very, very big core issues that they need to solve. And one of them needs to be with their draft pick. Or, they need to, or they're going to trade that draft pick for a seriously impactful player. And then try to use the TPE to try to make another deal uh, to get another starter. And then you're basically trying to use the um, the MLE and some vet minimums to fill out your roster, which is why I think when it's all said and done, that, that MLE probably goes to a, a, a big because I think they're going to use trades to fill the starting spots. And your sixth man essentially is Josh Hart already, which is kind of where that money is going to end up being focused. And then you fill out. And hell, I could see Ben McLemore back on the team next year. I was going to throw Ben McLemore out because I was looking at contracts earlier. and He's a vet man. Like, he, he might he might want to come back and hang out with this offense anyway, given he already knows how to fit in it. He knows what it's going to be. He knows what his minutes will be. It's a pretty good little setup for him. And if you believe enough in in Hart's creation abilities and you use uh, or if you sign somebody who's got a little bit of a connector ability to be your bench or maybe believe in Trenton Watford being your bench connector, I don't know. And you run a lineup that's basically Macklemore, Hart, Nasir, uh, Watford, Bamba. Like, that's your bench. I've seen worse benches in Portland over the last 10 years. Like, you've got a lot more athleticism. Like, who in that? Trenton Watford is your least athletic player in that lineup by far. Well, I, I think the other part of this is, um, you know, some of this stuff when we talk about these players, Danny, I, I think there are there is some portion of people that are like, eh, 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 who cares, who cares? Like, I think there's a reason the national media, if you brought up Portland, they don't really view Portland as like a legitimate team coming into next year. No, they have a lot of work to do. No, they do. They have a lot of work to do. But like, they're also coming in with pretty good things. Like how many teams would sign up for a 100% healthy Damian Lillard? That's the thing is I think people are, are like, kind of poo-pooing a little bit. Like, they like are. Dame's 37 and 5. Like, that's like that's not a big deal. Like, it's that's a top 10 player be... that you're getting yes, back on the I team. Mean, that I, I don't that know. gets us right back to, oh, yeah, no, they're winning 45 games. I think the problem is, like, people have this idea that, like, CJ, who got traded, and Norm and Cub, but, like, CJ specifically is traded, and he's on a playoff team who might pull an upset because of some injuries and COVID got them into the playoffs in the and first place. They're look, glassing over the fact that Anthony Simons is probably going to replicate like 90% of that this season. Well, but let's just, without that say, I think people see that they saw the deal in return and they look at this roster and they go, well, what did, what did you do it for? Well, folks, it's pretty simple. You had a healthy Dame. You had a couple pieces that maybe aren't the biggest of deals to you, but that team is right back where they were. They're in the first round. So it's just like, if your barometer was the first round and that's what you're bummed about, don't worry. You'll get that next year. It'll find it. Damian Lillard is, is a first round waiting to happen. Like that's Yes. This isn't about having a championship roster next year. This is about making viable moves that could set up the next two to three years. Because I hate to tell you this, Damian Lillard hopefully will age here and be, be our Dirk Nowitzki. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take two to three years for this team legitimately to be in a significantly better spot than they are. Or than they were. Right. Right. 
That, that's I think that's the interesting thing. I saw somebody in here from uh, Tranquilo Vision said we need wing defenders. Kuz is not that. I want to push back on that a little bit. Not just the idea of Kuz. Uh, I, number one, I think he's a way better defender than he gets credit for. Um, and I thought he was underrated the with the Lakers. Yes. Um, I think if you push him down the offensive pecking order, uh, and again, if you're talking about getting a guy who's a creator and being a connector, I think Kuz can be fabulous in that role. He's had stretches throughout his career where he was averaging like six, seven, eight assists a game, and you're like, damn, the guy can playmake. Uh, right. But if you could take away his shot creation and make him more of a playmaker, and the other part of this is he's six eight six nine. He's a big body wing who moves well. You know what the Blazers have had no answer for for the last eight years? Six eight six foot nine big body wings. They lost Nick Batum and never replaced him. <laughs> yeah, they have not had any answer for apex wings. Like not a Morris twin, not a Kuzma, not a Batum, not a uh, Rudy Gay, not a hey, Bogdanovich. We had a Mo Harkless. Come on, don't be so heartless. When Mo gave a shit, fine. Well, that was always that's a big if. When that was Mo. yeah. You spin that wheel and you're 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 trying not to land on black, and it was just like ah, which night is it gonna be from Mo? You know, it just it never worked out well. Um, but like when you look at when you look at a guy like Kuz on that deal, like that's that's really makes sense. And Jack Strang gets to a, a question here that I was going to kind of get to next is, are there any exceptional point of attack defenders that we're going to realistically target? No. And why? Because every freaking team wants one. I was going to say, it's the most coveted thing in the NBA. Outside of the superstars, you get into the the big-bodied wings and size and then point of attack defenders. Right. Like, if you want a a clinic in point of attack defense, just turn on the Sun Series and just watch nothing but Mikhail Bridges. And then – flip over the other side of the ball and watch nothing but Herb Jones. Those are the two best point of attack defenders active in the NBA right now. Tatum would, just had himself a hell of a series too. He did, but that was a team. Not, not on that level. Yeah, but, yeah. but that, is, that, that is a great team scheme with loaded full of guys that are – Miami and Boston right now are playing the, the two best team defenses in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix has got to get their shit back together on that. They've, they've I, I still think – I mean, did you, watch, did you watch much of the game four Milwaukee-Chicago? Oh, yes. See, I think when Giannis is engaged like that, when you turn that up, yep. yes, that's, that's a that's a one man defensive unit, man. Like that dude, he he gets it right back as soon as he needs it. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of where it goes. Uh, Joey says, uh, "OG, I would put OG on that level as far as being a wrecking ball point of attack guy, but that will cost you your lottery pick. That will cost you your lottery pick. There's, there's, I brought that up last week, and that would have been that that is the price plus probably yeah. a little bit more to be honest." Um, but the idea of getting a point of attack defender, they do need to figure that out. And this is where I push back on like the Jeremy Grant stuff, or I should say, um, I kind of side with the, some of the naysayers. Is Grant is not a point of attack defender. He is a help defender. He he's a connector defensively that is a, impactful. He's certainly more mobile than a Robert Covington, and he's more perimeter focused than than Cove or a Larry Nance Jr., who are both uh, more... Uh, Nance was more middle-of-the-floor disruptor. Cove, more as a rim protector, as crazy as that is. Mm-hmm. If you, Grant moves a little bit further up where he's more of an elbow disruptor, uh, works in that space uh, with you know long strides and long arms, they still need to solve for a point-of-attack defender. I, I'm sure they hope Nas can be a little bit more of that off the bench, but number one, Nas has got to keep learning, but number two, he's got to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, Portland needs a guy to do that for 30 minutes a night. 
And that's where it's going to be difficult for them to thread this needle because if they, let's say they, they hit lottery goal, Brandon, mm-hmm. and they find a way to get Jeremy Grant and they draft Jabari Smith, they're going to play one of those guys out of position because they're both fours. They're, neither one of those guys is a point of attack stopper. And if you're putting mm-hmm. one of those guys in that position while you are bigger, you were opting to go down a path that the Cleveland Cavaliers did, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. I don't think it's an awful thing. Because they were going to start, you know, before Sexton got hurt, it was going to be Garland, Sexton, Lowry, Mobley, <laughs> Allen. So and you Allen, had yeah. two six three guards and then three seven-footers. Well, here's the thing, though, and I, I think it, what the important thing you're hitting on here is how Grant would fit into a defensive scheme, right? Not mm-hmm. Well, not as the number one. He fits well with what his role would be. How much of that, though, is, is predicated and dictated on, on the moves they make and who they bring in by the idea of what Dame and Ant are going to be defensively? Because we know Dame and CJ were awful. I'm not telling you Ant is awful. They're going to struggle. I, I also think they're going to get a little exposed in that regard the same way Dame and CJ did. Which is why maybe the idea of having like two six nine six ten types at your three and four. Here's the, the thing I will I will take to my grave. If you can't be disruptive or uh, great at the point of attack, then what's the next best thing? Being big. Mm-hmm. Because being big covers up for so much. Like, just just being longer. Take Herb Jones. He has otherworldly instincts, but what makes him unbelievable is comparing those otherworldly instincts and talent with that frame and athleticism. When you have that frame and athleticism, like Jeremy Grant is in that same mold. He's mm-hmm. very long. He's like one of the worms from Men in Black, man. He just, he just all arms. Where you're just like, God, he's, he just keeps. How is how is somebody that long? And even if you're out of position, you can use that length to contest from the rear. You can contest over screens. You can fight over and 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 get in some chase positions where you can do some things. And if you're going to run a scheme that's going to have Yusuf Nurkic a little bit, maybe not blitzing and trapping as often as they tried to do the start this year, maybe a little bit more in between, which they started to do. And let's be honest, for a couple games, not even that four-game winning streak, there was a couple games there defensively at the end of December, early January, where defensively they started to get some shit together. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, I can see the idea. This when, when you had Hart and you had Winslow, it was like you could be a little bit more disruptive because you had some more length and versatility and athleticism on the roster. You can cover up with some other things with some additional length. And I think that's that's going to be the way that this this kind of goes. And that's why, again, coming full circle back to the MLE part of this, like a guy like Kyle Anderson, even though he's not athletic or explosive, he's 6'9", 240. Uh, TJ Warren, uh, even though he's more of a 2'3", TJ's 6'8", 6'9", he's 220. Like, he's a big dude. Uh, Bamba's seven foot, like you said, with a 7'10 wingspan. I think he's got like a 9'6 standing reach. Um, Thomas Bryant, 6'10", but he's about 260. He's a truck. Mm-hmm. Like So you just have these things that you can have on the roster that can cover up from some of the shortcomings that you're going to get defensively from Damon Ant. Well, I, I also think expectations of who is going to be viable for them to get might be a little too high. Like, everybody you just named, Jeremy Grant to Thomas Bryant, like, I can easily see the other people just rolling their eyes going, well, what did you really do? And we would probably respond with the logical thing is, did you see what's available this offseason? Did you see what Portland had to deal with? Like, I think adding any of those kinds of pieces, while may not move the needle fully, I think it opens you up to the versatility you speak of. It allows you to make up for the 
deficiencies in defense that Damon CJ or Damon, excuse me, and I got to get used. Yeah, to that. you got to get used to that. Got to get out of that habit. Uh, Damon and not Damon CJ. Damon and are going to obviously be putting forward. And then, like, how many of the guys you bring in are going to benefit and games are going to change slightly from what we saw at their last stop because of who they get to play with at this stop? The other side of this is a, a, I, we haven't really discussed a ton of. And this is really this is what matters kind of going forward is the structural um, setup of the contracts because mm-hmm. the Blazers just had too many big book overbooked contracts. And even if these guys aren't their answer immediately, now all of a sudden they've got more guys in that 10 to 15, 10 to 16, 10 to 18 million dollar range that they can trade out and swap out and make more deals down the road. I also think saying. Joe's going to be very versatile in that regard, Danny. Yes. So you you re-sign a Joe Ingles for a one-and-one, one basically, and it's a team option, and that's basically a way you overpay him, yep. and you pay him to rehab, and he becomes a trade dip trip at the trade deadline where you, you move him for somebody else looking to move off of a guy like a Kyle Kuzma, and you took a guy who was – maybe not going to be a factor for your team for three or four months because of injury recovery and you turned it into a viable asset. And that's the kind of things that Portland has to do. That's the, again, having all of these pieces, like they need, this isn't just flip one domino and watch them fall. Like well, that's, that's that problem though, is I think there might be an idea that it could be. No, they need to get everything figured out all the way through. They're going to it's it's less knocking over dominoes and more uh, knocking down doors and finding out that there's three more doors that you have to make sure you pick the right one after you get through that one. It's it's going to be a difficult, difficult task. Well, I, I think the other part, like take Nurk, for example, I think we all know Nurkic basically has a deal done with Joe, right? Like that sure. was kind of the underlying thing of him sitting. I'm really hoping it's a three-year with a two and a one with the team option on the one. Yeah. Because I don't want to see another four-year, $40 million deal given out. Like, I'm sorry. I just – I don't want to see this anymore, this Neil contract stuff. I want Joe, and I'm really hoping that it'll be this way, just to be a little more flexible, a little more viable with what you can do, pieces you can move, expiring contracts, not holding guys for too long, giving a couple prove-it deals to see what that gets you, like – Particularly for Joe, a seven foot, two hundred eighty pound guy with massive injury history. Absolutely. So I, I think Joe can be. That's an area Joe for sure could beat Neil in in terms of like the way he sets up these deals and how many years he's going to give yep. these different players. A hundred percent. And I've seen this question come up a couple of times in, in the in the chat already, and I, some from some folks that I haven't seen any before. So again, number one, welcome. Number two, uh, the question uh, is: Dame getting traded if the season starts badly? No. No. Dame. It's going to be a full calendar year before we get there. Now, if, if next year is a complete disaster, you will hear noise about Damian Lillard in the offseason or going into the offseason. But I don't think it's going to be a complete disaster. I think they're going to get some things figured out, and I think as long as things are on track and making sense and the vibes are good and mm-hmm. money makes sense and Dame gets that extension, which all things I think are going to happen – I don't think Dame is going anywhere in the long in the long term because I I think he wants to be like you said earlier, Brand. I think he wants to be Dirk. I think I think I he will genuinely. Be. I, I genuinely believe he wants to be that. And and look, this isn't to say that it won't happen that he won't get to a point of just like ah, I got two years left. I got to go for it. Like who knows, right? He might Gary Payton that thing at the very end, but maybe maybe he will. But you know, I also I, I'm done. I'm done 
speculating about it. I'm done yeah. thinking about it. Like to me, that dude is going to be here for life and he'll be here until at least, he's at least 34 in my opinion. That's fine. And you could be right in that. That's the point to leave. But like, I, I legitimately think he's going to, uh, he's going to work with Joe. I think he's going to work with chance. And I think he's going to see this thing and say, okay, I'm going to be a little older when this stuff clicks. But if I'm still hitting my three ball, a little more responsibility falls on Ant. We got the right pieces around. Maybe we can do it. Maybe we can have a Dirk year. Maybe you can West... Phoenix this thing. I mean, it, it, why is that impossible? Like, go look at the future of the West. I don't know what to expect. Yeah. Um, Utah might be blown up. Dallas could be the team with Luka. I don't know, you know, how much longer. What is Golden State doing with Clay, Dre, Steph? What's Those guys are going to age out here pretty quick, and their contracts are going to get to the point of other guys getting paid. So, so it, to me, it's not just next year. I think Portland fares well enough to make the playoffs, despite what you we don't know on this roster. But I'm looking three, four years down the road, and I'm going, how many teams do I think of this crop right now in the playoffs are going to be in their way if they can properly build things out? Maybe it's not that many, and maybe that's what Dame's hoping for. Which I think that's kind of – in talking to people around Damian Lillard, one of the things that has always been echoed to me is that he is loyal to a fault, and he he genuinely loves it here, and he's got his family here. He's got his friends here. He has people who rely on him here, and him moving would upset not just his life but all of their lives as well, and he is very much self-aware of that, mm-hmm. and – I think it would take a disastrous turn of events for that for for it to go to a point where he considered that. That's yeah. what I'm saying. If this season is a disaster, like it, basically the season that they just had repeated, then I think you might see things go that way. But I it it has to be an off the rails type situation before you consider it going that sideways. Well, and here's the other thing too. Like we don't know where he's going to be emotionally in two years or three years or whatever. But you know. We know he wants to pass Clyde. We know him passing Clyde in every statistical That's, category. That is that is definitely on the docket. That does mean something okay. to him. He wants to oh. be number one. Yeah, do you know what else Portland's never had? What's that? They've never had this. Oh, right. Walton left. Roy left. LaMarcus left. LaMarcus left. left. Clyde left. Disowned you in your divorce. Like, Sabonis came over here too late, so he ain't counting Then he deuced really. out. He stays in Lithuania now. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I just, there's been some good Blazers. We've had TP, right? We've had Jerome. TP is the the most connected best Blazer of all time. It might be Maurice Lucas. Like, I I don't know, but, like, ultimately, of star slash superstar players, you've never had this ever. And I, call me sappy, call me naive. I I think there's an element of Dame that knows that, and, like, that's that's an enticing thing for him. Uh, this is a question I think we used to kind of wrap this up. This is from Trevor. If we sign guys like Nurk and Ant and one or two low-money guys like Winslow, doesn't that leave us with virtually no competitive money or options outside of the $20 million trade exception? No. No, Trevor. And that's what kind of we were talking about uh, coming into this. And this is kind of the, the first thing we're talking about is the MLE. They Because they have bird rights and RFA rights on all of their guys uh, in Ant, on Nurk, um, Hart's a player option. They have bird rights on Joe Ingles. Uh, Bledsoe's contract is wonky. It's only 3.9 million or 3.8 million guaranteed. Um, they're going to string that out. I saw a question about this earlier. Somebody asked about what are they going to do with Bledsoe's contract. They're going to string it out to, I believe July 4th or 5th is the guaranteed date. So if they don't make a move with it, you know, before then, or they're going to try to make a move with it up till then, it, it'll be the last second thing. I think the day before it's guaranteed is when you will see it, you know, as far as like what, what it gets to. Otherwise Portland will just kind of, 
uh, eat that and wave him at the 3.8 or whatever it is. Um, but as far as like competitive money, their competitive money is going to be the full MLE. That is their competitive money. And then they will use their bird rights to re-sign everybody. Like I said, you re-sign Joe Ingles to a $13, $15 million deal, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Right. And that becomes a trade chip at the, at the trade deadline. That becomes their competitive money four months later, five months later, whatever that is. And then you vet men, everybody else. But they, well, that's not entirely true because they do have other trade exceptions. They have, I, I think they created another $6 million trade exception and a $4 million trade exception in the other deals. So they do have some, some other trade exceptions in there. But beyond that... Um, they, they do have some financial options. It's just not through traditional cap space, uh, which is fine because, again, Portland is not a team that has done well with, with traditional cap space, nor does it matter in this offseason because there's nobody you really want to spend that kind of money on unless you want to tie right. up a big-name RFA. Right, like, right. Like, if you if you knew that Phoenix wasn't going to match in DeAndre Ayton, sure, now's the time to have cap space. But I at this point in time, I don't think that's an entirely likely proposition. Uh, and this is the last question we get here from uh, Hamad Al-Kabi. By the way, do you think we should trade down for, say, the Hornets' 13th and 15th pick package? I've heard a few people talk about this before, where if the Blazers didn't land in the lottery, or I shouldn't say lottery, it's land in top, the top four. Top four. What should they do? Like, if they traded back for, like, 13, 15, P.J. Washington, if they got, like, seven or eight, you could probably talk me into that because that may allow them to have the ammunition necessary to go get Grant and maybe go get a, a young player too. You go get a Mark Williams at fifteen or a or a use fifteen for Grant and go get Jeremy Sohan at thirteen. Like then you can maybe do a little bit more unless you really believe Keegan Murray or Shaden Sharp is your guy. Which you know, to be honest with you, man, I'd rather just keep a pick for that. You'd rather go with one of those two guys than yeah, because I I, I think ultimately. Um... Milwaukee pick and Keon could get it done. You know, Jeremy and Dame have a good relationship. I think a lot of that's going to hinge on what Dame talks about with him. Again, then clutch Illuminati is always at play. Right. And and look, Detroit doesn't want to have any bad things on their resume. They're no. rebuilding. You, a you, team. you don't want, when you're rebuilding a young team, you do not want to be no. the guy, the team that is, is like, no, we're not going to trade this guy. Who's part of the most powerful agency in the entire NBA. Right, like Keon showed you little something. Like, take him. He's 19 years old. He's still young. Like, you got a, a couple years with him left. Mm-hmm. You'd get a you get a pick down the road. Which, look, I Giannis strikes me as a dirt guy too. But you never know. He's hinted at saying, "I don't have to play my whole career in Milwaukee," sure. and that's just like an interest thing. So, who knows by what happens in 2025? I just, I think I'd rather have Shaden Sharp than do anything else with it. I can, you don't I can, need to include it for Jeremy Grant. Yeah, no, I, I think I can get there. I think it's gonna be, it's gonna be. I need, the, I need the draft lottery, like because the draft lottery. We need the draft lottery. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we need it so much because it is going to frame. Yeah. What happens? That's why you ask so me questions, much. and I'm like, God, I don't know well, how with, to answer some well, of these with, yet. With the MLE, I there those like those guys are out there. Sure. Regardless, and yeah. Portland, that like that's basically the pool that you're dealing with as far as like using like real money there's other guys that are out there there's you could break off a piece of the MLE if you wanted to give a bit more than the vet minimum to Robin Lopez to come home like w- would that surprise me if they did that and then paid like seven million dollars to somebody else no no not in the least bit um but I, as far as like trying to figure some things out I, I think it'd be very very interesting to see like where that pick falls um I will say this the the ringer uh koc did us a solid um 
they ran one where they simulated up, up the lottery and the Spurs won the lottery. Oh. Take Jabari Smith overall, which they can't keep doing this, Brandon. They can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> they keep they keep tanking, man. They keep tanking. But then the Thunder take Chet to pair with Poku and Shea. Yeah. That's that'd be an interesting, interesting gangly lineup. But the Blazers fall to number three and oh. get Paolo. Which would I mean, I I'm jacked. I'm absolutely juiced out of my mind to watch that happen. And then they have Sharp going to or going to Kentucky, going to Sacramento. Ivy at five to the Houston. Griffin at six to Orlando. Mm. Murray at seven to Detroit. Then Durin at eight to the Pacers. Mm. Rounding out with Johnny Davis and Ben Matherin as your nine ten from Washington and New York. Interesting. I, I looked at that and I was like. Hmm. Because then you got a Mark Williams at 17, Tari Eason at 15. The, the big mover right now, uh, at least in the public eye, is Usman De- uh, Zhang, uh, who uh, has played in, in uh, was it the NBL? Yeah, in the NBL, uh, who showed some stuff. He's another six foot ten freak uh, who's incredibly raw but might turn into something someday. But um, it's, uh, it's interesting to see how that all kind of shakes out. But... Uh, I, I see everybody's watching uh, Utah getting absolutely schlackered oh, they're right just now. just getting absolutely they're, they're, murdered. They're getting rolled over a barrel. They're um, going to lose in six. That, yeah. that series is over. So uh, Daniel says, go, go bear to PDX confirm. And listen, that, that's another <laughs> another pathway. Like, does Bogdanovich become the guy that they go and, you know, get to use the TPE for? Like, there's a lot of different paths for, for the way things are going to go. And it's, 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 that's why it's so yeah. hard to tell which way it's, that TPE is going to play out. Uh, but those are just some MLE targets for right now. Uh, and then again, we'll, we'll, we will do a live show and a live watch party. I will open it up for the public for the draft lottery. So that will that will happen. So everybody can watch the show together. Honestly, what I think we'll end up doing is I will pipe the show, the YouTube for this into that show so that we can all kind of be in there and project it all at the same time together. Um, but it, this should be an interesting, interesting Draft lottery, to say the least, because it's, you know, going to decide the future of the franchise. <laughs> oh, it's no big deal. Just if this team can ever compete on a top-notch Western Conference. In the Damian Lillard era. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, again, thank you guys for being here. We appreciate you. We love you. Uh, we will have a watch party for some playoff games coming up. Uh, like I said, I'm going to open those up for the public. I will have some private ones, and we'll do some Q&As. Uh, once the draft lottery happens, we will have some some private uh, members only Q and A's for draft prospects, and we'll go over some draft review stuff. And I will start pumping out prospect stuff. I'm kind of kind of sitting on it until I know what range they're going to fall in, because I'm not going to sit here and crank out five pro- prospect profiles for guys that they're, they're going to have zero chance of drafting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but other than that, we will be back on Thursday. Speaking of NBA draft, Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation, uh, their lead draft guy, very, very good at what he does. He will be at the Combine as well. Ricky's a Chicago guy. Uh, shout out, Ricky. He will be here live 6 p.m. Thursday evening. So you guys come check that out. We will catch you guys there. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email the show. Jack Rams is at gmail.com. Uh, again, we'll be there Thursday, 6 p.m. local. Like, rate, review, like, rate, review, subscribe, help us grow the show. If you're watching on YouTube live or on the replay, click subscribe. It's free. It's easy. We can make it uh, up to our next goal, which is 3,500, then 4,000 by the time we get to the beginning of the season. You can find us on social media at Danny Brink, at Brandon Sprague, at Jack Ramsey's on Twitter and Instagram. 
Uh, until Thursday night, guys, uh, enjoy the rest of playoff basketball. Just bask in all the shot and fruit of uh. all the teams that are losing and dropping out of the first round. And you can get them, hit them with a full Nelson, a little <laughs> as they fall unceremoniously out of the playoffs. Why? Because screw them. That's why. Because <laughs> they're slightly better than us this year. That's why. <laughs> oh, that's right. Thursday is NFL draft day. Well, oh, we'll figure that out. I'll get back to you. Yeah, we'll figure that out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. All right, guys, you all have all right. a good, good night. We'll talk soon. Take care. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com